Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Alright, what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 141 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Uh, I am here with Mike. We are both under duress. We are under the gun. There is a feeling of of uh, time crisis, time crunch. When I say time crisis, I do mean the, the video game developed by Capcom that was released on the PlayStation. <laughs> that's uh, the one with dinosaurs in it? Yes. Oh, I think no, so. that's Dino Crisis. That's Dino Crisis. Time Crisis was a game, <laughs> that's too. That's a different type of crisis yeah. altogether. <laughs> yeah, anyhow, uh, me and Mike are here covering the uh, story Abducted in Plain Sight. This one was actually recommended to us or suggested to us by a couple of people on our Facebook fan group. Uh, you can join the group by searching, going to Facebook, going to the group tab and searching Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. It'll ask you a few questions and you can join and there's some good stuff in there if you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, the show, which I'm thinking more and more listeners that are jumping on board don't even know that this podcast started off that way. And it's still, we'll still dip back into the well with it, but this is one of those times where, you know, people are wanting us to talk about this certain documentary and, um, I watched it last night. I guess, Mike, you watched it. Did you? Yeah, I watched it last night, too. Oh, okay, you watched it last night. Yeah, so so it's both fresh on our minds. Um, and then we have kind of a synopsis here to go off of as well from the IdahoStateJournal.com. Um, but I guess before... This was actually an interview with Jan before she got the documentary uh, funded. Oh, wow. She was trying to get funding for it. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, so what did but you it think? covers a lot of the exact same information. Just real quick, uh, my thoughts on the documentary. I really like this documentary. I thought it was definitely uh, worth all the critical notes and acclaim that it got. Uh, one of the better documentaries I've seen in a while. And uh, for me, it was just one of the most compelling, gripping, and just unsettling documentaries that that I've personally seen. Like, I was cringing and just, just really just uncomfortable throughout. Yeah, um, for me, I... I <laughs> Let me just start off by saying, I thought this documentary was about fucking aliens, okay? Like, when It I, isn't! <laughs> when I went in, like, I, I you know, I and I don't know if my, my opinion of it got tainted by something someone said in the group, but I, I could have... I went in... Well, it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is, but, like, I went in literally thinking this documentary was about alien abduction. And so when it's showing... I sent you the trailer. I you should have known better. I, I didn't watch the trailer. <laughs> I don't watch things that people send me. I'm infamous for not watching anything people send me. So I'm like going into this thing and they, and they got Jan and she's talking and, you know, they're interviewing the family. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. They're, they're interviewing the family. Like, some shit went down, man. Like, 
they get someone had this awful experience with this like alien abduction and are they still missing or have they returned and what's their story going to be like <laughs> and then i learned it's actually about abduction abduction like yeah. abducting a little kid by a, a sexual predator and, and and it you got the rug pulled up from under I, you I, in like a uh amazing just a giant way yeah i felt like the biggest dumbass because i was like (laughs) wow i'm literally like settling in like rubbing my hands together like all right where's the aliens you know Uh. getting all excited but the funny and like ironic thing and this is might be where the title comes from there is an alien component to this movie um yeah but yeah besides besides the initial shock of thinking it was something completely different than what it ended up being um, and I won't expound on this too much to spoil anything, but I I could not believe how incredibly inept and I don't, I don't know if that's the right word to put it. See, I, I, he uh, sent Josh sent me a message on on Facebook. He just talked about how the family is so incompetent, and I get it. Like we look at it in hindsight, and we look at it in that way. I would say they were terribly naive. I think that's the better way to put it. It was one of those things, uh, you know, like the investigator, the FBI investigators interviewed in in the documentary. He mentions how the family was terribly naive. And you also have to look at it from this perspective. Back in the 70s, we didn't really have a lot of those. What do you, why is my cat fucking freaking out right now? Stop it, Olympus. <laughs> so anyway... Or my cat rudely interrupted me. Uh, so in the 70s, especially in this particular uh, time when the, the abduction happened, uh, pedophilia wasn't as widely known. All the different tells, all the different signs. There wasn't the internet that didn't exist. There wasn't really a lot of papers or books that were really discussing it as openly as uh, today. Like nowadays in society, like this is something that's just commonplace. A lot of people know what the tells are, they know what to look for, and so on and so forth. Uh, in 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 this particular day and age, like they just knew it. They just thought it was just strangers. You know, they didn't think it would be someone that they know. So that's where uh, I, I think there there might be a little disconnect with uh, how how some people view this kind of this documentary today because you know you're, you're looking at it from the perspective of somebody who's in the modern age you know in the modern era right now and in in, in this era like it's like come on you know what are you doing uh like this is right in front of your face but that wasn't common knowledge back then so if it's not common knowledge then it's going to be harder to find and harder to really see the signs I guess as uh, me being a product of the time that I was raised in, it's kind of impossible for me to, to, to have a non, I guess, naive mindset about a lot of this stuff. Because this was a long time ago. This was before social media. This was before the news became as sensationalized as it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so paranoid about this kind of shit the pedophilia and all this kind of shit. I'm so paranoid about it that like, I, I, I don't even like real, and this sounds fucking crazy, but like, I don't even like hold my niece or anything. Cause like, yeah. I so don't, I don't even want to come close to giving off the appearance of anything in any way. 
And it's fucked up that it that my mind has to be that way because uh, I just have all this shit in my head from all this stuff that I've seen where it's like, I just... I, yeah, it's kind of like you can't even compliment. Like, like for example, like if, if it's... Uh, a niece or something like that, you know, and then and they dressed up for an event. Like you can't really compliment her. Yeah, like oh my god, she's because, so like, beautiful. It's like yeah, oh, you yeah, fucking yeah. creep. You think she? Yeah, it's exactly. like it's like no, you fucking you 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 sick minded individual. Yeah. I wasn't meaning it like I have a fucking erection right now. I'm saying it as in like you know, like she's a cute little kid. You know, just like. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, like if someone makes a little, if someone makes like a limit, a mi miniature key lime pie and puts it in front of me, mm -hmm. oh, that's a cute little pie. Look at it. Yeah. It, 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 that's the same sense that I mean it in. Like it's small. But, and you, but here's, here's the double standard. You don't see people like when they're, oh, look, what a cutie when they're talking about like, then they go up to somebody's baby, you know, no one's like, oh, you pedophile, you know, no, no one's like that. You know, when, when, you know, when, when, when you have an instance like that. Where, you know, somebody has their, their baby in public and, like, someone they know comes up and, like, oh, what a cutie. Oh, well, like, I mean, I guess because most pedophiles don't, like, you know, diddle actual, like, you know, infants. No, but, I mean, it's just, it's still kind of a, you know, there's a similar similarity. Well, I think there's just, of, like, I, there's the less discourse. There, there's less yeah. concern on the parent and yeah. parents end that a pedophile, I mean, they're... I'm sorry. Well, there's some sick fucks yeah, who probably would. Yeah, I'm sorry. Would. This has gotten so dark so soon, guys. I'm, I well, really but am, I mean, but... it's a dark, it's a dark subject, and it's a pretty damn dark documentary. Yeah, so, and yeah. So I mean, we will... we were eventually going to get to this dark point. Well, people, people wanted it. You know, they wanted us to talk about. <laughs> God damn it, that sounded wrong. People wanted us to talk <laughs> yeah, about no. it. Uh, they want us to talk about it. We are going to handle it with the uh, utmost respect, and we're not going to, you know, make light of anything. No, absolutely We're just not. giving our takes, our kind of opinions, slice of life, whatever you want to call it, uh, on this on this thing. But my my thoughts uh, were initially, and maybe Mike changed my mind a little bit, but how, I just couldn't believe how goddamn incompetent uh jan the i don't blame you the child who was molested i couldn't believe how incompetent the parents came off not only back then but also in the documentary even the in kid, their old age i don't age. blame her because the, you know it's one of those things one of those she was at that age where you can be and also she was isolated and that definitely can lead to um manipulation and in some instances, you know, bits of mind control and so on and so forth. So I, I don't, I don't blame her. Uh, the parents, I like I said, they think they were just terribly naive. Uh, I was more upset the second time around when they, you know, decided to uh, associate with uh, with uh, this this man. Yeah, uh, that that's that's the one I was more upset, and, and the one that really made me go whoa was with the with the father, which we'll get to oh, later. Oh yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, that, that one, my jaw dropped wide. That open. was definitely was like, like a Joey from Blossom. Whoa, that was definitely yeah. a whoa moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of it, as as my apparently my catchphrase is, according to some pictures that have been made of me in our Facebook group before. It's apparently a phrase that I used often. It's a good phrase. Meat and potatoes are good. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, just trade off here. Yep. Um, we'll s share a few lot, you know, few lines here because these paragraphs mm -hmm. are fairly short. I'll do like two or three, then you do two or three. 
Okay. So uh, it was supposed to be a fun day of horseback riding on a warm autumn day in 1974. Instead, 12-year-old Jan Broberg said she found herself with her arms and legs strapped to a bed, fading in and out of consciousness. She later found out she had been drugged. Sometimes the young Pocatello native would wake up and find that she was unrestrained. During those occasions, a small intercom device next to her pillow would, re would report that her favorite foods were in a nearby refrigerator. However, the door leading out of the room was always locked. The intercom would also explain to Broberg what was going on, but the explanations made her even more confused. Mike? So before I get into that, I want to mention uh, with this particular documentary, uh, it's called Abducted in Plain Sight, for those that might not know. It's directed by Sky Borgman. And she also produced it. She also did the screenplay. I think she also might have done the cinematography. So she did, like, pretty much everything. And uh, they this documentary uses some reenactments, but they're, like, silent, which is really interesting. Like, and, and they're shot in a way that they try as hard as they can to make it look like it's from that particular time period. I, I think thought, they did a pretty decent I job. I thought they were really good. I, I, quite, yeah. I quite enjoyed the reenactments. Yeah. I thought they did a great job, too, with the reenactments. And uh, with the reenactments, uh, they the, they would have... It's not completely silent. There would be some sound. Like, for instance, uh, in the reenactments of these particular type of events where she's tied up or she's unrestrained and there's, like, an intercom, it would actually play a, a little bit of the audio, uh, a kind of an idea of what it might have sounded like. And so, this is uh, Jan speaking here. She says, They identified themselves as aliens from a dying planet. They said that they had been watching me since I was born, and I had been chosen to be impregnated with a child who would save their planet. They called me the female companion, not knowing what, I'm, what they meant by that, and I would be given further instructions when I met the male companion. I mean, as an adult, you're like, this is bullshit, right? <laughs> Like, but, but she's 12 years old. She's isolated. She's drugged. Uh, when you're in that particular situation, you could probably believe anything. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say though, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but when I was 12 years old, I was not that fucking gullible. <laughs> well, not everybody's is, you know, not everybody has the same I know. Uh, and, and type I'm, of and I'm chalking it up, again. I'm chalking it up to the fact that this was the you know the 70s and it, you know and I was I was I was 12 years old. Jeez, uh, well, I, I think it was like 2000, the year 2000, the year 2000 when I was uh, when I was 12 years old. So obviously there was a lot more information and a lot more stuff out there that I probably absorbed through osmosis as a kid and I, I just would have never believed yeah. that an alien okay. Lord was. <laughs> and the thing is, is like up until 16, she's still believing it. And I'm like, okay, now I'm really, well, it's because she was, she, it's, it's manipulation manipulate when, when, you know, yeah, I know I was manipulated my whole life in the church. You know, I understand manipulation, trust me. And well, I, a, it... I was still able to like, be like, I think this is bullshit. But again, that's just me. That's just me. But <laughs> saying she was a little on the little too naive as well. And so, 12 years old, fine, I guess. 
And it's it was the seventies. I, I think mentally, I think the reason why she took so long is mentally she was stunted because of all the things that happened to her. So when you when you when you put that in 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 into the equation, um, it's not the it's it's definitely a lot different for people who are in that type of uh, situation. Um, their the, their their mental capacity or or you know for not falling for this kind of shit or in kind of moving forward out of it is, is slowed because it, it, you're still stuck in that, in those moments. I, I mean, I also While like the rest of your body is growing up. I like how essentially like the whole speech by these aliens, through this intercom system that they're aliens from a dying planet. And she's the only one who can save the planet. She's essentially a, a little miniature Scientologist over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like she should, she should have just joined the church of Scientology back in the seventies, <laughs> joined the sea org and she would have been good to go. I mean, they would have fed into her paranoia yeah. and fucking made her really believe it. Yeah. So, um, apparently the aliens also told her that she was part alien as well. And that so was her sister. And if she didn't go through with this mission, uh, then they would go and try to use her sister for it, and they would make their make her mom, I think her other sister, blind, kill her dad, and they'd vaporize her spirit and her body. But that's all actually not given from the tape. That's given from uh, Birchold. Robert Birchold. Name you're going to be pretty, very familiar with at the end of this podcast. So, she uh, then talks about how for the few times Broberg was awake, she tried to make sense of her surroundings by looking out a nearby window. She surmised that she was in some kind of moving vehicle. All I could see was desert with cactus-looking plants. I would just go in and out of a very deep sleep. Then after about three days, Broberg awoke to find the vehicle was no longer moving. The intercom instructed her to go to the front of the vehicle. She opened the now open door leading out of the room to discover she had been in a motorhome over the past few days. As a confused and terrified young girl maneuvered around the vehicle, trying to make sense of her surroundings, she discovered a horrifying sight. Her adult companion on the proposed horseback riding trip from a few days earlier was lying on the motorhome's couch with his eyes closed, covered in blood. His name was Robert Birchold, and he was the best friend of Bro Broberg's parents. She shook and woke Birchold, who appeared dazed and confused about the whole situation as well. Soon afterward, the intercom in the front of the motorhome revealed more information about the mission. Birchold was advised by the aliens that he was a male companion, and that he needed to impregnate the 12-year-old Broberg so the baby could be born and save their dying planet. The eerie voice coming from the device didn't mince words about the seriousness of the mission, as the so-called aliens called it. I was told to do whatever I was told to do, no matter how awful it was, Broberg said. They said if I didn't do this, my father and I would be killed, my sister Karen would go blind, and my sister Susan would be kidnapped and take my place as a female companion. The only thing I was thinking about was protecting my family. And that's when the rape and molestation began. And it went on over the course of the next month. And the documentary reveals like what that was like. And it's really, really unsettling. 
because he would apparently get her on the bed and he wouldn't even go all the way in because he felt like, oh, I don't want her to enjoy it as much as I do. It's it's like, it's just his sick, twisted mind. Like it's, it's shocking. You're just like, really? Uh, Why don't think she was going to enjoy it? Period. Like, well, what he That's what, what he was thinking about what he was really trying to do was he, he was trying to not break her hymen. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. if you know she ever got examined or whatever, there would be no. And she was. Yeah, there would be no evidence of sexual, you know, molestation of any kind. Mm-hmm. So so he would yeah he just essentially put the tip just in the tip yeah. Which has led to many of uh, unwanted sex uh, mm-hmm. sessions by many guys going, Come on, baby, let me just put the tip in just one time. And it's never just one time. Nope. And uh, it's really chilling when she's uh, re- recollecting uh, what, what what was happening. And she was talking about how she would just look up and at the, the fan and in the motorhome and would just look at the trees, just look at the look at the leaves. Yeah, she was essentially having to like disassociate from her body mm-hmm. at that point and like lock on to something else that was going on because uh I mean, yeah, you know, when you're 12 years old, a four a 39 40-year-old man, is that that seems old as shit. I remember yeah. being a uh that age and thinking like 20s was an adult. Like uh-huh. if you were tw- in your 20s, it's like, "Oh man, that's a grown-up." 30 forget it you were like a fucking just middle-aged guy at that point you know yeah and so i mean the thought of doing anything i mean hell when you're that old when you're 12 years old a 15 year old is like so much older than you you're like oh my mm-hmm. god you know if they're 15 you know so like the thought of like having sex with even someone your own age which i mean for the most part most of us sexually are not you know interest that interested in sex at 12 now as I'm saying this, I'm sure some of you listening going, hell, I was doing this, that, and the other by the time I was 12. But generally speaking, most kids at that age, you know, they're, they're, they've become sexually repressed, if you want to believe the Freudian evolution of uh, the sexual desires or whatever, only to reawaken when puberty truly begins. But around the tween years, uh, kids aren't thinking about that or, or wanting that and it's very mysterious and confusing to them so for this dude to be doing this to her was probably like very scary like much more scarier than oh, if absolutely. she than if she had been of age and uh what the young broberg did not know at the time was that this whole bizarre situation from the intercom and the pre-recorded messages to the motorhome to the story about the aliens and their dying planet was all just a sophisticated ruse for Birchold to brainwash the young girl and sexually abuse her, which she ended up doing, according to the documentary and uh, Broberg's own words, he molested her around 200 times. Damn. It's crazy that they kept count. Yeah, the, that intercom that intercom thing was weird, especially the reenactment, like the audio oh, they played. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like reverb, it was like this like clicky, like... It, almost like predator type sound but with like you know high pitched this very sound like it's speaking through a kazoo yeah it's like very garbled it was kind of creepy sounding yeah and i'm thinking to myself like how did he do that you know did he have like an inner i don't know if it actually sounded like that 
Yeah, I mean, I know that was their, you know, their, their the documentary's reenactment version of it, but, like, how, like, like... Zeta and Zethra. Was it, like, a pre-recorded tape, or did the guy have, like, a microphone in the other room that he I would, think it was a pre-recorded tape. So, like... Pre-recorded messages. He, yep. he would just hit play on it and then run away and have it wake yeah. her up? Well, I mean, if she's drunk, if, if, she's, if she's drugged... All right, guys, it is that time again in the podcast where I sell you some advertisements. I advertise things to you in hopes you will buy them, and then we get more money as a result of that, which keeps the podcast going. So I'd like to tell you about a company called Care Of. Uh, what is Care Of? Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. So it's a new year with new health goals. Might be reading an old copy here, but I'm sure the info still holds up. This year, make health and wellness a top priority with the help of Care Of's monthly subscription vitamin service. Whether you're focused on glowing skin, boosting your energy levels, getting more sleep, or generally being healthy, uh, build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. Do something good for your health in 2019. Care Of makes it easy to stick to your health-related resolutions. Oh, yeah, this is definitely an old copy. Uh, Care Of's online quiz lets you know exactly what you need. Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only about five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. 90% of people fall short of FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. To find out what you're lacking with Care Of's online quiz, uh, and get back on track. Uh, find out where your lack of. Anyway, the the quiz will let you know what vitamins you need. There you go. I'm putting in my own words. Care of. I hope that's okay. Getting your vitamins should be easy and convenient. It can really be hard to know what vitamins or supplements you should be taking, but Care of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. Care of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs customized to your door every month with personalized daily packs great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle experience the care of difference a portion of every sale goes towards the good plus foundation which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins and right now we have a special offer for you for our listeners of the uncovering unexplained mysteries podcast for 25 percent off your first month of personalized care of vitamins Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code UUM30. That is TakeCareOf.com, promo code UUM30, like Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries, 30. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to uh, get that that discount on the vitamins and uh, it'll be good to go. So thank you for bearing with me on that. Now back to the show. Up until her kidnapping at the age of 12, Broberg describes her childhood in Pocatello as wonderful and idyllic. Her dad owned Atkin Florist, while her mother was a homemaker. Jan had two younger siblings named Karen and Susan, who she jokingly said she'd boss around like any big sister would. The sisters would often ride their bikes to the Bilo market and buy penny candy. They, they then head out to the old racket club to go swimming. They would talk about anything and everything. Quote, it was pretty much like Ozzy and Harriet or Leave it to Beaver, Jan said. Then one day at their Mormon church, Jan's parents befriended a man 
who moved into a neighborhood about two blocks away from the Broberg house. The man was Birchtold, who, like Jan's father, was a small business owner who was also named Robert. Birchtold had a wife and multiple young children of his own. Before long, the two families were inseparable. Quote, they had all the fun toys we didn't have, like a boat, snowmobiles, a trampoline, Jan recalls. A close friendship ensued. Jan became particularly close to Birchhold, who she described as a second father. She and her other children affectionately called him by his nickname, Brother B. There was this tremendous amount of trust, Jan said, noting that Birchtold was well-loved and well-respected by many members of the community at that time. Never in our wildest dreams did we think he was planning the perfect crime. And boy, did he plan the perfect fucking crime. Exactly. On October 17th, 1974, Birchtold asked Broberg if she wanted to go horseback riding with him. Not too long after that, Broberg found herself tied to the bed of the motor home. Now, before all that happened, like he was setting things up. He was setting up a row of dominoes to lead up to the final one to fall, which would be Jan, because he became incredibly infatuated with her. As as you find out through the course of the documentary, uh, near the end especially, Birchhold was already involved in relationships with other young girls before Jan. And had even actually gone to prison for a year. Yeah, and they even... For, they... For, uh, abusing a young girl they even show the pictures that he took of her or whatever yes and they are Ooh. they are almost like skeezy yeah they're, they're like she's not naked mind you but they're almost like pictures that you would take of like if you had like a girlfriend and you're like hey yeah. get into some salacious positions for me you know i mean the one on the couch especially where she's got her legs yeah up and you can see like her up. underwear or whatever yeah. it's like dude that is not that <laughs> Again, I, it's like, I don't know if the parents were aware, her parents were aware that he was... I don't think they were. I don't think they were aware of that. Um, because, I mean, oh, I mean, you know, if I see pictures like that, I'm going to be like, dude, what what the fuck, you know? Yeah. It's one thing to um, take a picture of your kid in the bathtub naked. You know, that's one thing because it's like, oh, that's sweet, whatever. It's another thing to like... Have the I sexy poses, yeah, sex, sexy pose pictures, yeah, yeah. That's totally different. And it's and and mind you, your kid in the bathtub, not your neighbor yeah. taking pictures of your kid. And anyway, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it goes even further than that. I mean, they were so naive. They bought uh, something that he bought his bull. They bought his bullshit all the time. So he he came up with this. Uh, this scheme where he would say that, oh, I have some deep-rooted psychological issues because I was molested by my aunt or something. and uh, uh, Maybe he was. I mean, I don't... I, no, he might have been, but I, but th that's not exactly the, the ruse. The ruse is where he was talking about how I need to lay down with, with, with Jan, you know, and spend the night with her as a part of my therapy. And they bought into it. They didn't. Yeah, they, they were like, so oh, okay. he ended up sleeping in the same bed with this little girl as part of his therapy. Somebody who was around in the seventies who's listening right now, please weigh in on this and tell me if, if this was the overall mindset at the time of of 
you know, hey, we haven't heard a lot about this child molestation stuff on the news. We're not we're not educated to the warning signs of this stuff, which is now common fucking knowledge. Like just just weigh in on the group or whatever and and, and you know, is this shit was this shit at all normal or is this like some or, or even for the 1970s standards would this have been like uh what the fuck you know because i'm really curious because yeah. i'm hearing that kind of shit when i'm watching this documentary going like that there's no way nowadays a parent was not just a red flag that's a neon red flag there's yeah there's no way a, a parent would <laughs> would allow that nowadays like i don't i don't know i don't i don't know well, I mean, also, he would, I think there was some bedroom, like, that he was able to to build where, you know, it, it was, uh, Jan was separated from other sister, and he would be able to go in there, uh, with a wall in between everyone, uh, there, there were other, uh, times, you know, where they would go on vacation, he actually took her, I think, to Seattle, and uh, there were there were some things that happened on on that trip as well. He would uh, start to drug her. Uh, he would give her what he would call uh, allergy pills, but they really were sleeping pills. And then he would molest her at night. Yeah, and I mean, like, I went off with my aunt and uncle and cousin all the time to go and do things, and my parents were okay with that. And we would take you know trips to uh-huh. all over the place. And uh, I mean. nothing ever happened that was bad but it's like i guess when a family friend endears themselves in such a way it's not it's not bizarre because he's married with kids so it's like this guy is a pillar of the community he's got his own family our kids are getting along we get along so yeah of course our daughter can go with your family to this you know seattle or whatever and he talked they talk about in the documentary how like Jan just they were at the dinner table and Jan just started saying all this like crazy stuff that didn't make sense. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, are you all right? She had been drugged unbeknownst to her. So. Birch told Bob Birch told or whatever. He goes, oh, I'd, I'd better take her back to the room. She's not, you know, feeling well or whatever. So he takes her back to the room and, you know, molests her. Yep. But that was just like one of many times. Exactly. So, so with this, uh, with Birch told, like, they show plenty of photos of this guy. He looks like a textbook pedophile, doesn't he? I, I don't, I don't know about that. He didn't have like the big glasses and the, uh, well, I the mean, male pattern baldness. Well, <laughs> not all pedophiles, you know, look like that. But um, well, that's the problem. To, to me, he definitely had that look about him. I think that's me. the problem with saying doesn't he look like a typical pedophile because th- there is no such thing. Yeah, you yeah. got a point there. I stand corrected. But he did have this look about him that definitely looked. You were you were joking. I mean, you weren't being yeah. like you know. Well, well, he he definitely looks like there's something off in a lot of his photos. He's got um, he's got kind of that like Jeffrey Dahmer a little too. He's got that he's got that grin on his face that seems like way too happy. Yeah, like just a little too put together, you know. Like, yeah. like Dahmer was like this very charming, little too or, put together or, guy. What do you look like to me? He looked like one of those, uh, you know, those like those uh, Christian records. Yeah, yeah. There's like you see them all the time for like 
really cheap prices at thrift stores because nobody wants them. Jesus wants them. And they and they just and they just sit there on the shelf collecting dust. That's what it reminded me of, like Smothers Brothers or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, he had that very clean cut seventies look to him. Yeah. So it was in the middle of the night on November 23rd, 1974, when police officers stormed the motorhome and arrested Birchtold. Now, at that point, Jan had been missing from Pocatello for over the month, and for over a month. And uh, the parents took a, their sweet time uh, trying to find their, trying to uh, set up an investigation to find their daughter. Like nowadays, like that, that could have been fatal. Like if you're gonna wait. They waited, what, five days or something? Yeah, they waited like a week because um, Birchtold's wife, I forget her name right now, her name's escaping me, she was like, you know, convincing them like, you know, it's going to be fine, they're going to be coming home anytime now, you know, uh, don't call the cops, you know, and then the, then the Jan's parents were like, well, we didn't want to make a big fuss and this, that, and the other. And it's like, oh my God, you guys are incompetent as fuck. Gail. <laughs> Gail? Okay. Yeah. Gail Birch told was like, you know, no, no, it's okay. Gail was a fucking patsy this whole time, too, by the way, to her husband. Yeah. She, I mean, I, you can say whatever you want about, oh, well, she was also being manipulated. Gail was like completely mind controlled by Bob. Yeah. Well, he did seem like to be a, like a guy who just seemed to really know how to uh, push people's buttons. Yeah. And it wasn't just ki little kids. It was adults. It was a master manipulator. I don't like thinking about little kids' buttons. I know. Those are, disturb figure speech. Those are disturbing buttons. This is a figure of speech. <laughs> I didn't mean anything ill by it. So, yeah, they took their sweet time to try to contact the FBI... Like they even like they'd called the FBI. Oh, the office is closed. If if it's really an emergency, call our office in what was it, Idaho or something. And they were all no, no, actually not the Idaho one. It was uh, further out because the Idaho office is closed. And they were just like, no, don't want to make a a fuss. And it's like, I don't understand that. Your daughter is missing. <laughs> She's been missing for like multiple days, like. Nowadays, we'd be like, what are you doing? Like, the, the, all this, all these uh, cases have come out that tell you that, like, you need to get on it. Because if you don't, it's more than likely that you're too late and your daughter is dead. Well, the, FBI <laughs> agent, the FBI agent had to convince them that their daughter had been abducted. They're like, look, yeah. your daughter is not here. Somebody else has her. Yeah, she has been abducted. And they're like, no, no, he's blah blah blah, and like, it, yeah. they, God. But I mean, he he idiots. set them up. He 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 played them like a heart from hell early on. He destroyed the 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 relationship between the husband and the wife. Uh, and the way that he did that was just wow. Yeah, let's get into that later. <laughs> um, I I don't know because I don't think it's even mentioned in this in this uh. In this particular... Uh... Well, at least finish the mental breakdown part. Okay. So, it was in the middle of the night on November 23rd, 1974, and police officers stormed the motorhome and arrested Birchhold. At that point, Jan had been missing from Pocatello for over a month. It took the FBI in conjunction with police in Mexico to locate her. Uh, and they were able to locate him and her thanks to Birchhold's brother, who sold him out. 
Yeah, who like Birch Told's brother was literally in the in the documentary is li- literally doesn't go out and say it, but is pretty much like fuck fuck my brother. He's a pervert. Yeah. He's a pedophile. Yeah, he's a pervert. He was a pedophile. Yeah. Knew it all all along, early on, you know, with with my sister and everything. So during their investigation, authorities learned that Birch Told had taken her to the small Mexican resort town of Mazalan along the Pacific coast. His plan was to do that so he could marry her. Yep. Because it was marry legal 12 to marry twelve-year-olds year in Mexico at that time. So Mexican authorities took both Jan and Birchold to a nearby prison. He was put into a prison cell, and she was put into a small interrogation room. I didn't know what ha- was happening. Jan recalls, "I didn't speak Spanish at the time. Luckily, a couple of LDS missionaries were serving in the area and were able to translate. They notified Jan that her parents were coming to pick her up within the next twenty-four hours." And as I spoke to the young, terrified girl, she gobbled down food from McDonald's that the missionaries had brought her. It was the only food she had eaten in more than a day. That's another way, that's another tactic a lot of people use to, to manipulate and to brainwash people. Starve them. I mean, uh, going back to Scientology, that's what they did. So you're saying the Latter-day Saints were, were uh, brainwashing her to believe uh, their crazy religion by giving her McDonald's? No, no, I'm talking... <laughs> I'm mentioning Birchhold because oh. she's talking about how it was the only food she had eaten in more than oh, a day. Right. Yeah. Another thing too uh, in the documentary, Birchhold uh, gave the Federales one of his golden rings just to give him the opportunity to speak to Jan when he was in prison. Yep. And while he was speaking to her, he said, "Look, there's four things: the alien, the, uh, Zeta and Zethra, or whatever the fuck their names were. Yeah. They they've told me there's four things you can't talk about." You can't talk about the mission. You can't talk about uh, them at all. You can't talk about the fact that uh, you you are have to. You're the one who can save this planet by being impregnated with this child. And you can't talk about any of the sexual shit we've done. And you can't mess around or talk to any other men. He was <laughs> he was using this yeah. whole fucking. Can't talk to your father. Can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. He was making up all this bullshit alien crap just to be like you know to make sure no one no one else was you know trying to get in there. Yeah. You know that twelve year old Jan. You know like yeah. Ugh. So creepy. So while Jan was taken back. Yeah. While Jan was. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here, Mike. Well, Jan was taken back to Southeast Idaho by her parents. Birchhold remained at the prison until he was extradited back to the U.S. to face kidnapping charges. However, Jan said his punishment was not severe. Basically, he pleaded that he had a mental deficiency and had some sort of mental breakdown. And Robert spent a few months at a mental hospital, and that was it. If he had been charged with any sexual crimes against Jan, he most certainly would have faced a much stiffer penalty, including a long sentence in prison. However, that the young girl was not going to reveal to anybody the details of the sexual abuse she had been subjected to. That's because the aliens who spoke to her through the intercom knew how to keep her quiet. The aliens told me that my family would be harmed if I ever told anybody about my mission, Jan said. They also said my family would be harmed if I didn't save myself from the male companion. Unfortunately, Jan wouldn't have long to wait. Wouldn't have to wait long for the male companion to return. Now, at this point, when she returned back home, she was also getting letters from Birchhold. And he was all uh, being all loving and all talking about how much he loves her. And at this point, she'd been so fully manipulated and brainwashed that she was writing letters back to him affectionately as well. Yeah, in creepy kid talk, saying yeah. like, did you know you're a sweetheart? 
Because if you didn't, no, you are. And it's like, ugh. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. so creepy. God, what the fuck is wrong with you, guy? Speaking of creepy, uh, now we get to uh, kind of his, 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 his master plan. So... He, it's not mentioned in this uh, these articles, so I definitely wanted to mention it because it is quite shocking, and it definitely shows like how much of a master manipulator this man was. So he decides, okay, in order to get to Jan, I'm gonna have to break down the barriers when it comes to her parents. I'm gonna have to destroy the relationship between the two of them, so I can make uh, things vulnerable, so I can get more access to Jan. So he starts hitting on her mom. And tells her all the things that she wants to hear about how attractive she is. And because she apparently is also very naive, maybe that runs in the family. I don't know. Uh, she falls for it hook, line, sinker and actually spends some time with him and and uh, commits a little bit of, you know, a little bit of adultery. And then as things continue, like it goes, it gets even crazier. I mean, like. After the sec- after she was already kidnapped by this guy, the daughter, she by, the, by you know the daughter was already kidnapped by by this guy, by by Birchhold. She goes on an eight month fling with him. The mom, the mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like what Mike was saying, it was his plan the whole time to get the parents out of the way to get to Jan. By doing Mm -hmm. that, he would have to disrupt their marriage. And so him and Jan, Bob and Jan went on some kind of a trip somewhere. And I don't know if other people came along or whatever, but they they ended up necking, as she puts it, in the tent and just basically kissing. And that was it for that that time. Yeah, the first time. yeah. Yeah, and then... I think he grabbed her breast, I think. Yeah. Once, yeah. There was a, there was a, was that second base, third base? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so then all the drama happens with Jan being abducted by Bob and yeah. getting returned. And, you know, Jan, or the mom, Mary Ann, she's all like talking to Bob on the phone and she's like, why did, why did you do that? Why did you want to marry my daughter? I just don't understand. And he's like, well, come to my come to my trailer and I'll tell you all about it. And then she gets there and he's just like, I love you so much and we could have such a great yeah. life together. All you'd have to do is leave your husband and this, that, and the other. And she's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, wow. You're rubbing my leg. Oh, okay. Let's make out. Oh, we're having sex. Okay. And it's like, what is wrong with you people all of you what is wrong with you he just abducted your fucking daughter and you're literally like going and and, and fucking your daughter's abductor and she didn't know that he was a a rapist as well at that time Mm -hmm. but i mean fuck that's bad enough I mean, you're in Mexico and they knew that he was trying to marry her and did marry her in Mexico I mean, what the fuck? What did you? It's like, God, these parents are so stupid. Then yeah. not only that, I got to take this one, man. Oh, uh, yeah. The the father. Yeah. So Bob is expressing his just complete discontent with his wife, Gail. And so he goes to the other Bob, the husband of Marianne, Bob Broberg or whatever. And he's like, 
hey, he's like, hey, Bob, do you have a minute? I, I, I got to talk to you. And, and it was like after work. It was after. Yeah. yeah, he goes to Bob's florist shop and he's like, I got to talk to you if you've got a minute. So they're driving in their car and Birch told is telling Broberg that I, I can't stand Gail. She just she like we never have sex and, and I can't I can't go more than, you know, a week without having sex before I start to get really bothered. And then, you know, naive Broberg, the husband of Marianne in, in the in the documentary, he's like, you know, and he's telling me all this and I'm looking down at his pants and seeing that he's getting noticeably aroused. And then Burstold is literally like, hey, you know, please help me relieve this tension. And, and this is before uh, uh, Marianne does her little trip or, or yeah, visits. This is with, before uh, with, uh, Marianne actually sleeps with Burstold. They, yeah. they have kissed, but they haven't slept together. But so he's in the car. Well, actually, it's even before that, because this is this is what happened first. If I remember correctly. Oh, uh, I thought the anyway. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, so the husband, Bob Broberg, all these names are so confusing. I'm hoping you guys are keeping up well. Bob Broberg, the husband to Marianne, he fucking jerks him off. Yep. He jerks him off in the car. Bur- I felt so bad for, for poor Bob, like in the, you know, in the interview, like you, you could tell how ashamed he was. Yeah. Well, that's a very humiliating thing to admit yeah. if you identify as a straight male. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, Birch told's like, yeah, come on, come on, man. This is just kid stuff. Help, help, help me relieve myself of, of this pressure, relieve my tension, relieve yeah. my tension. <laughs> but it, yeah. And then, you know, you got Bob who's talking about in this interview and, you know, the dude looks like he's in his like late seventies, early eighties or whatever. And yeah, he's still getting upset about it. And he's like, you know, he's, he, he's like, it was the stupidest thing I ever did, but I, relieved him in a act of masturbation or whatever and i'm thinking to myself okay me and mike we're pretty we're pretty good friends (laughs) (laughs) you're trying to put us in this situation am i ever gonna go to michael's and (laughs) hey mike come on man do you have a minute we gotta talk (laughs) mike i've been so fucking horny lately my girlfriend won't have sex with me uh josh do you have a boner mike i need you to help relieve me man come on man this is kid stuff and then mike just goes well okay let me put my hand on your hard cock and jerk you off until climax and let me go back to work let me oh let me clean the spoon off my hand before you know what Mike would be in that instance, folks? Mike would be bisexual at the very least. Mm-hmm. Much like this guy was. That, ne- that wouldn't happen. That never gets talked about, but the dude's bisexual. If he jerked off, Birch told, you're bi, if not gay. And that's kind of mm-hmm. the vibe I got from him. And there's no shame in that, but it's like, dude... You got some like deeper questions you need to ask yourself. Like, and obviously, Birch told if he was able to come climax, what have you, 
from the other guy jerking off, then he's obviously bisexual as well. Which we already know Birch Toll's fucked in the head. So, yeah. you know, there's no whatever on there. I'm neither here nor there on that one. But yeah. for the husband, the uh, supposed yeah, that's the that was the that was the one that just floored me. Yeah, I, like I was not expecting that at all. That was crazy. My jaw hit the floor when I heard when when he said that. I was like, what? It almost made me feel like it almost made me question like how true is this is this documentary that some old man would be willing to come on basically not national television but Netflix. And basically admit to jerking off the guy who, you know, did all this horrible stuff to his family. I mean, Jesus Christ, the, 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 the amount of candidness in this family, in this documentary, almost makes me feel like it's, it's a little fake. Because it's like, would a family really be this candid about these? Uh, well, I mean, look at his emotion, though. Like, his emotion is so genuine there. Like, I do not think it for one second that he was making that I don't up. know man it's crazy I mean it is crazy truth is and truth like, is even stranger says than at fiction the end, I guess he even says at the end of the documentary it's all it's crazy but it all but it's true yeah it happened uh and Birchhold also ended up destroying his business uh he he hired some uh guys in prison when he ultimately did serve some time to burn down his uh florist shop so he lost his business as well because of this uh, relationship with uh, Birchtold. But the whole reason the he did... company di that he had had for 40 years. The whole reason he did all this was... So when he went to... When he was in jail or whatever for... Or when, when he was actually... When he was going to be sentenced to jail. He had his wife, Gail, go over to the Broberg residence. Yep. And get bob in a room secluded from marianne the wife uh -huh. and basically said we want you to drop all the charges against uh birch told because if you don't we're we're going to tell people about the infidelities with your wife with uh yeah which by the way your homosexuality which would have been which, by the way, was the first time Bob had even heard about any infidelity with his wife and Birch told. Oh, yeah. So it was like a double whammy. It's like, A, they're being extorted, and B, he's being told that, yeah, your wife totally fucked I, around I, my I, husband. Was it really? Did he, did he tell about the wife, or I thought it was just, just going to tell, tell, tell them about your homosexuality? No, no. At first, it was he was going to tell everyone about how the wife cheated okay. and then later on when uh he was divorcing her later on in the story she was uh birch told convinced marianne to go to her attorney and you know divorce him under the grounds that he's a homosexual and that's all they said about that part okay. of it all right so yeah, eventually there is a divorce that happens, but it doesn't actually go. They don't actually go through with it. They didn't go through with uh, it simply to hot to cover their own asses and not yeah. uh, to not help Jane, but to cover their own asses. Jan, yeah. Jan, yeah. The the daughter, the 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 victim here who was molested by this 39, 40-year-old man. Yeah, and, and like they actually did drop the charges. They dropped the charges. They signed a sworn affidavit saying that 
they consented for her to be with him that whole time. It was not abduction. They she went on, uh, you know, with their permission, and they do not wish yeah. to press charges, which infuriated the FBI agent, you know, who who was being interviewed in the documentary, saying, you know, here I've been spending time away from my family, handling this case, spending a large amount of effort into it, just for them to turn around. Pete Welsh. Pete Welsh, yeah, the, that's the name of the guy. Basically, just for them to turn around inexplicably and say, we don't want to press charges, we don't hold him responsible. The, everybody in the community, because, you know, this chick was missing, yeah. Jan was missing for, like, a long time, and so all the people in the community were rallying around the Brobergs being like, oh my god, we have your support, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then, and then later they're like, what the hell? Yeah, later they're like, why aren't you pressing charges? Like, what the fuck? But nobody knew underneath... The surface, mm -hmm. all this other kind of shit they was going They had like a on. call from a DA who's like basically telling them to fuck off because he's like, you just killed my case. You know? Yeah. And we're still going to go through with this trial, you know, despite your little sworn affidavit thing. And it didn't work. He got let off. Well, he eventually got let off anyway, which is even more frustrating. <laughs> yeah, he just they just sent him to some um, like mental that they sent him to some therapist. He had he was in jail for what? He was sentenced to jail for 45 days. He's he did, only served 10. Yeah, for good 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 behavior. And then he was eventually sentenced to the mental institution after the second kidnapping. I'm trying to think of whether or not we should save uh more details on the second kidnapping for a second part. Oh yeah, it's already 55 minutes in. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, sorry. We uh, we had to do this one a little short this week because Mike has to go to work soon, which I, I completely understand. I've been in that position before. So uh, this is going to be part one of the uh, Abducted in Plain Sight documentary. Uh, we would have normally been able to knock it out in one episode, but uh, Mike's got to go to work. Um, so make sure you stick around for next week when we get into the second abduction of Jan and then kind of all the aftermath that happened later on in Jan's life and, and everything and what ultimately ended up happening to Mitch, Mr. Birch told. Um, if you want to follow us on Patreon and kick in some <laughs> donations, you can do that and uh, you'll get the podcast early and uh, occasionally you'll get some other bonus material on there. It's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Uh, if you want to find me and Mike on YouTube separately but entertainingly, you can do so by, uh, you can find Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. Mike, what was the last movie that you reviewed? Because he's a movie reviewer. Um, I did, uh, I did uh, Tales from the Crypt uh, the first season, so I haven't really reviewed any movies just yet. So I've just been kind of busy with stuff. Fantastic. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. The last video I put out was comparing the uh, rock singing styles throughout the decade. So people in the 1980s, rock bands in the 1980s had a different singing style than grunge bands in the 90s who had a different singing style than emo in the 2000s. Then the indie rock of the late 2000s, and currently I analyze all these different vocal tropes in rock music and how they've changed and the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it's a great video. It's another like high production video for me, which I haven't done in a while. Um, 
and it's not performing that well. So that's why I don't do those high production videos anymore because it's great content, but I guess it's not shocking enough or is salacious enough to get YouTube's algorithms or get people's eyeballs on it, which is a fucking shame because I felt like it was a really well-made video and the people who have seen it have really liked it. So it would mean a lot to me if you went and checked that video out. I also want to thank the two people who went and left five stars on us uh, for us on iTunes. It bumped us back up to four stars on there. So thank you very much for doing that. And if anyone wants to leave another five star, that would be fantastic. It would help me out mentally. I would feel better knowing that we're a, at least a four star podcast on iTunes. I don't know. But uh, anyway, until next week, I hope you guys have a good rest of your day and um, goodbye. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, my new album, Hex, is finally available on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else where music can be found. Also, we still have our special edition physical CD available at bandcamp.com. Check the link in the description of this podcast. Now enjoy some of the samples from my new CD. The Justice.